This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, it is a Harbor at Home Sunday, and I am so excited to be joining you in your small group. We are going to be celebrating Mother's Day today, and I just want to take a minute and just make a mention of something that we just saw on the the video that we watched together. It was a highlight that came up numerous times, and I just didn't want to pass it by. It's the phrase, Jesus is present. You know, I am so grateful for the presence of God in my life, His constant abiding presence changes everything. You guys know this. We can enter into an encounter with the presence of Jesus and we can go in with anxiety and we can come out filled with peace. We can go in with um, depression and come out filled with with this joy. Or we can go into his presence and, and feel very, very weak and come out with great strength. I, again, am so grateful for the presence of God in our lives. And you know what else happens when we're in the presence of Jesus? Friendship is cultivated. And here's why that mention is so important. It's because as we cultivate friendship with God, as we start to live out of this place of deep relational connection with Him, that we find everything that we were created for beginning to materialize in our everyday lives. But there is a resistance that comes to that. It's the voice of culture. Now, whether it comes as the the culture of society or as the culture of religion, both look to convey the beliefs and the values that are counter to God's. Oftentimes, that cultural voice is so prevalent that it can become like white noise, where we actually don't recognize that we're hearing it anymore, yet it still causes an effect. I want to use today as like a lighthearted example of that. So today is Mother's Day. And there are going to be countless churches all over North America that are bringing a Mother's Day message to their congregants. And typically, one of three things is going to happen. First, for the men. You, men hear Mother's Day message, and most of the time, they're going to tap out. Then we've got the women. Uh, some are going to hear the phrase Mother's Day message, and they're going to be like, thank you, Jesus. This Sunday is all about me. I am going to hear something that is all about me today. But then there's also women who experience this invisible breeze of disappointment that can blow in. It usually hits a lot of the, it can hit a lot of the um, single gals or the married women who've experienced significant pain in relation to being a mom. But here's what I want to say to you. Everyone, no matter where you find yourself on that list today, I want you to stay engaged because God has something that he wants to speak to all of us. 
All right. Today in this counter culture series, I want to talk to you about uh, generational influence with a specific highlight on biblical womanhood. So I'm going to be reading out of Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, as some of you might know it. Um, chapter 7, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. So if you want to grab your Bible or open up a Bible app to, again, Song of Songs 7, that would be awesome. And as you make your way there, I just want to highlight something very important. If we are not familiar with the language that God speaks, then we're not actually going to understand the things that he's saying. Song of Songs is a prime example. It is filled with poetic significance, lots of symbolism, and, and poetry that has so much imagery that sometimes people can get lost in it. It may not be your flavor, but I want you to hear me. It's a major way that God communicates. Poetic symbolism and prophetic imagery is a major way that God talks to humanity. And communication is crucial to building and sustaining friendships. So if we want to grow as a friend of God, we can't disregard this kind of language. You know, there is nothing more empowering than knowing that we've heard God speak. Confidence comes to us when we know that we've heard God. I have heard God say this, or I have heard God say that. There's something that builds up on the inside of us that just, again, it, it makes us bold if and when we know that God has spoken something to us. But my first time that I read the Bible, that I opened the Bible, um, it seemed like foreign language to me. I mean, I was reading it in English, but it, literally as I'm reading the words, it could have been Japanese. I just couldn't understand what it was actually saying. I don't know if any of you guys can relate, but what I saw was parables. I saw poetry. I read stories that had seeds in them and, and water and oil. <laughs> I was like, people would, people would ask Jesus questions and Jesus would answer with another question. And I was like, what is going on? I had no, no grid for what was, was happening, what I was reading. But when I asked God to help me hear what he was actually saying, when I asked him to teach me his language, I began to understand it didn't matter if it was my flavor or not. I was a hot mess and God was speaking and I needed to know what he was saying. So what's my point here this morning as we get ready to jump into the word? My point is this, for those who, uh, who don't have understand, like don't have the, the flavor, don't have the love for the kind of language that I, that I just mentioned, it's okay. But I want to suggest to you that you are like me. You need to hear God speak. And so I want to encourage you to ask Holy Spirit to teach you all the different ways that God speaks, to teach you to hear from his language so that you don't miss anything that he might want to say. All right. So Song of Songs, chapter seven, lots of symbolism. For those of you who aren't familiar with the song, I just want to give you a, a little bit of uh, just 
don't know, a, a couple of, of pointers, a couple of, of notes regarding it. So there's two major players in the Song of Song. The first one is the king, and the second one is the Shulamite. So the king represents God, and the Shulamite is symbolic of those who love him. For us, it's going to be those who are in intimate relationship with King Jesus. But there's also another uh, term, a symbolic term that I want to uh, mention right now. It's found in three different chapters of the Song of Songs. And the language has to do with the term mother. I want you to go and read it for yourself later. I don't have time to take you there now, but you can find it in chapters three and chapter six and in chapters eight. And when you do go there, here's my suggestion. I want you to view it as a, view the term as a reference to the church. And I'm going to read a quote right now that gives you a little bit of an explanation as to why we want to read it that way. The quote goes like this. The church, as the bride of Christ, is the womb in which the unbeliever encounters the good news and is given new birth by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the word. As a mother, she nurtures and feeds with the pure milk of the gospel and then the solid food of sound doctrine and discipleship. She guides with wisdom taught to her by the Holy Spirit from the word of God. It is the very wisdom of the Father in Christ to whom she submits. Don't miss this. Since the church, which is the people of God, is being referenced in this way, that means that each of us, male, female, young, old, single, married, with kids, without kids, each of us carry a grace to leave a legacy of influence to impart life, virtue, and maturity to the people around us. Let me show you. Let's read uh, Song of Songs 7, first three verses. Verse 1 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the sandaled feet of this one who brings such good news. Mountains. What mountains? Mountains of influence. That's wherever God's placed you, your family, your career, your church. This helps set the, set the context, okay? It's not just a, a devotional dialogue. It's not just a prayer closet conversation. This is speaking of us being out in the world. And again, it's going back to us being uh, people that bring generational influence. Let me keep, keep showing you. In verses 2 and 3, out of, the, out of your innermost being is flowing the fullness. So this is the king. He's speaking to his beloved. This is the king speaking to the one who loves him. And he says, out of your innermost being is flowing the fullness of my spirit, never failing to satisfy. Within your womb, there is a birthing of harvest wheat. They are the sons and daughters nurtured by the purity that you impart. So let me ask you, what's the harvest that's being birthed based on this verse? Look at it again. Within your womb, there is the birthing of harvest that are sons and daughters nurtured by the purity that you impart. A legacy of influence. But look at that word, impart. Impartation is an apostolic characteristic. Now stay with me, because this is where I want to bring in biblical womanhood. 
And this is where, when I started to pray regarding today's message, this Mother's Day message, that um, the phrase, this everything, the Holy Spirit started to stir, stir things on the inside of me. The phrase that kept coming to me was apostolic mothers apostolic mothers. Now, let me give def just take a second and give definition to that so that you can hear what I mean and what I don't, okay? An apostle represents identity or it refer references identity. It's an apostle's part of the fivefold. What I'm speaking about today is apostolic mothers. This is a grace for assignment. So, as women within the church, Jesus sends us out into the world to positively affect relationships, circumstances, and situations that are all around us. And we do it with a supernatural empowerment from being friends of God, regardless of whether we're married or single, with kids or without. For the next few minutes, I want to just introduce you to four apostolic mothers that were highlighted to me in the scriptures. I don't have time to, to give you, like read all of the, the verses that uh, when they're introduced in, in the scripture. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to just say this, that they were all significantly influenced. They were all significantly influenced the relationships, situations, and circumstances of people around them, just like I mentioned that we are called to do. But it's noteworthy that when they did it, when they showed up on the scene and scripture captures the, their story for the first time, none of them had children. And again, for the sake of time, I just need to give you their name, reference where we find them, and then what these women did. So the first one is Miriam. And she shows up in Numbers or Exodus chapter 15, and we're introduced to her as a prophetess. She is part of a small leadership team overseeing a very large community of God's people. Miriam is number one. The second apostolic mom I want to highlight is Hulda. You might not be familiar with her story. She's found in 2 Kings 22. She's a woman whose voice is used to influence the highest governmental leader or leaders of her day. And then there's Esther. She is the third apostolic mom that I want to introduce you to. Now, we all know her book, um, so we probably most—she's most recognized or most famous for uh, the queen who saves her people. But there's a couple of points that I want to mention to you regarding her that I think are, are noteworthy in themselves. And the first one is this. Esther was a girl that was no stranger to pain or heartache. The world had tried to steal her identity— and put her in situations that caused her great personal loss. But God had a call on her life. And God has a call on your life. Her choices, Esther's choices, impacted multitudes of people who carried destinies in God. And I want to suggest that you, that yours could too. Like, this is what... Then you've been called to this type, to levels of impact as well. It might not look, it won't look exactly like anybody else's that you see in scripture, but it's no less valuable. The fourth that I want to mention to you is Deborah. We find her story in Judges chapter 4 and Judges chapter 5. Obviously, because she's in Judges, we know that Deborah was a judge, but she was also a leader, a warrior, 
and a songwriter. Through wisdom and courage, she united people and brought them into great victory over their oppressors. But she was also a spiritual mother. And this is when Holy Spirit really began to stir me for today's message. I want you to read it with me. Judges chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Well, it shows us first how important apostolic mothers are. Read it with me. The valiant men ceased until Deborah arose as a mother in Israel. Stay with me here. Culture's limited view of motherhood, social culture and religious culture, is crippling not only the destiny of women, but the valiancy of the men around us. I want to tie it back into counterculture. Remember, the beliefs and the values that today's culture are speaking can become like white noise. They've been there for so long that we can go through life not even consciously recognizing them anymore. But there's always an effect. In the culture of the kingdom, everyone leaves a legacy. And every woman, every woman is called to spiritual motherhood. My friends, we have to shift our thinking to align with the kingdom in areas like these. If not, it'll undermine the impact that we were created to have in this very hour. And the effects won't just be related to women. We read about it in, Ju- in Judges 5-7. We're getting ready to wrap up. But as we do, I want to say a couple of things and then do something a little different than what we're used to. What I want to say is that uh, one of the things, not the only thing, but one of the things that Holy Spirit is up to in this hour is realigning our understanding in the church to biblical womanhood. Proverbs 31, hey, Proverbs 31, she's getting a makeover, and it's well-deserved. Women are going to be seen from God's perspective in the coming hours. And as women of influence, like the four that I mentioned just a moment ago, we are called to function with confidence in grace that has been given to us in every area that he places us in. And it can change from season to season, meaning our spaces, but the grace will continue to abide and we need to partner with it. This is what God is up to. All right, so that little change, that little something that I just mentioned that we're going to do that's different than what we're used to in a Harvard home uh, meeting like this. I want us, before I give you the, the questions for discussion, I want us to stand up right where you are. I'm going to wait for you. I want you to stand up wherever you are with your small group, everybody in the group. And I want you to go and I want you to lay hands on the shoulder of a woman that's in the room. I'll give you a second to do it. I'm really going to, I'm going to pause here because I want you to get up and I want you to go lay your hand on the shoulder of a woman that's in your group because I want you to agree with me as I pray over them. Thank you, God. Thank you. Women of God. You have permission to be powerful. Do not believe the lie that you are not necessary 
to seeing people enter into the things that God has for them. You have been invited to partner with an apostolic grace to see God's kingdom come and his will be done right here on the earth in this generation. My encouragement to you is just to do it with Christ-like virtue. I say that you have already been graced for this. So grow as a friend of God, because that's where your confidence is going to come from. Rise up and function in the gifts that the Father has given you, in the places that he's planted you. If you don't, the generations around you will be negatively impacted. The men around you will be negatively impacted. I break off gender lies that the enemy has sown into you over the years. The lie that this is a man's world and that as women, you will always have to work harder just to prove your worth in society. I break off the lie that society determines your success and that you have to conform in order to make it. I speak blessing over your contribution as a woman. I say it is not less valuable than a man's. God, I thank you that the voices of women, the ones who are your friends, will begin to have a wider reach and a greater impact in the world around us. I thank you for grace to fully accept, accept ourselves as women in this hour. I thank you that out of our friendship with you, that we won't look for people or society to validate us any longer, but that our validation will come directly from Jesus. I'm breaking off the lie that women have heard in the past that says, don't push forward because men, society, and community are looking to hold you back. I break that off in the name of the Lord. I say that the spirit of the living God is moving you forward in this hour. He is moving you into the destiny that the Father has for you at such a time as this, right where you're planted, single or married, with babies or without. If you're up all night because of those children, or if you're out all day busting it in your career, the planet needs who you are. And this is the hour when you step into the fullness of your identity in Jesus Christ. Both halves of the body must be empowered. They must stand in equality and humility in order for the fullness of the Father's presence to be realized in the earth. Everyone hearing my voice, men and women, this is your greatest hour. Go together in mutual submission and adoration as friends of God into the fullness of what he has destined for you. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.